Havila Cunnington, and this is Havila's Podcast. I'm excited that you're tuning in today. You know, this podcast was created by Truth to Table so I could have a place to share my heart, biblical truth, simple lifestyle leadership, as well as just connect with my table community, my table tribe. So I hope that you'll spend a few minutes with me as we jump in to whatever God has put on my heart this week. And don't forget that you're never too far gone from where God wants to take you. You are loved, you are seen, and he wants to desperately know everything about you. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Let's jump into this. So today I'm really excited to have my friend, Sean Bolts with us today. Bolts, Bolts. I always say Bolt. That's right, right? However, I've been called lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> I always think it's funny because with your friends, you never really say their last name. So then yeah. you're like, ah, uh, you know, it's, I do that with Bianca, Oltoff and Olaf. I'm like, oh gosh. So um, <laughs> anyway, it's really nice to have you here, Sean. I know that you are uh, well known and people would probably recognize you, but I want to make sure those that don't know who you are, uh, you get a proper introduction. But Sean, you're a husband. You have two beautiful girls. You live in L.A., you are a pastor of a church, Expressions 58, and handed over the reins to your co-leaders and still are involved in that. And then you're also a, a writer, a best-selling author, um, and you hold events around the world and e-courses and all that stuff. What did I miss? Uh, we, I have one of the best top podcasts right now. To make. We just launched it, and it's doing really well. Just tens of thousands of downloads. People love it. It's called Explore the Prophetic. I was shocked. I w we did it as just a passion project. So I didn't put a lot of work into it. I just had conversations with prophetic friends and this thing just took off. Like I just thought, Oh, we'll just build it over a few years. Sure. There's my podcast network. And they're like, this is our number one podcast. I'm like, this is crazy. Like I, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, you know, but I do TV hosting quite a bit too. So I do, I, I stand up for God TV. I'll do stuff for TV and every once in a while I do um, uh, Daystar Network, a show called Dreams and Mysteries. We just ended it though, so it's it's. We did our last episodes a couple months ago, but yeah. So all that amazing. kind of. Stuff. It is amazing. You are known for being prophetic, and we'll get more into that because, um, well, there's some exciting things about that. But before we go into all that, the most important question of this whole moment is: if you could live anywhere in the world and take everything you love with you, where would you live? This is so boring for people. <laughs> Live in LA, but I probably would just move to Malibu Laguna or San Diego. I would just, I love our weather. I love our people. I love our world here. So I, it wouldn't be a long move. It'd be great. It's just like quick U-Haul or something. I don't know. It's <laughs> funny. I want to pass that sees the ocean out of like you know, <laughs> authority. Chris Felton said the same thing, San Diego. I agree with you. I said, I think the mix between the beautiful California coast and you can still get to like Disneyland and, you know, good you know, Mexican food and like all the stuff you want. Well, we, we vacation here. So it's really sad because and we do like an epic vacation somewhere in the world sometimes. But my wife and I go to, you know, the Hyatt Huntington or we go down to Laguna or one of the hotels. It's so beautiful. Why, would, why do you need to leave? Like, <laughs> <so stupid. laughs> you know, Reading has the same feel. It's really amazing. when you, <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a mall with three stores. It's amazing. Hey, hey, you know what? We, that's right. We still have Sears. Um, so I am, I love that you are in LA, you know, you love, you love producing things and equipping people. Like that's really your heart. It's been your heart. You're sitting in a, right now people are probably wondering where you're sitting. You're sitting in your own studio. The soundstage. Yeah. So we have a soundstage on our property in Los Angeles, which is super rare. It's like a really unique property. 
that we got about a, a year and a half ago. And we're doing it because my wife and I are going to do a TV show. It's not prophetic based. It's just about people's kind of maturing journey, like uh, celebrities and business people and, and some ministry people. And we're just going to talk to them about their highs and lows. Like where did God show up? Where did he make a difference? Because there's a lot out there that's not maturity. So we have this studio and this is one of my, my wife is a more like a Joyce Myers teacher with a prophetic edge. Yeah. We love Joyce so much. So like, <laughs> like you listen to those kinds of sermons and, but what does it look like in real life? So we're going to take people on a, a journey somehow doing that. So we bought this property so we can do our e-courses. We, we have four more e-courses coming out next year. We have two from last year or this, I should say, we have four more this year coming out. So yeah. So, so this is our, this is a current year. I'll, I'll do this. For God's oh my gosh. Every time. This is just our God secrets. It was so fun to watch them put this together, our production team. It's beautiful. It's really awesome. I, I love what something I, you know, I love about you, which I don't think everyone gets to see, is you really do have this kind of producer slash let's push the envelope, let's be creative. There's a real side to you that I think people assume if you're a prophetic person, you must be somewhat boring. <laughs> like, I'm spiritual. Probably like you, one of the more controversial prophetic people, not because I'm weird, but because I actually love to engage culture. So I love video games. I, I go to all the video game shows every year in LA and Comic Con and I love TV. I love, like people are like, I'm prophetic. I can't go to the mall. I'm like, I'm prophetic. Let's go to the mall. Like I love, places where there's a lot of stimulation and there's a lot of you know where there's too many people to count i love disneyland like i i, I do get a little crowd anxiety sometimes but i mean i love being with people i just love people so much so for me uh, every other perfect person's away from the world don't watch tv halloween's evil and i'm like going let's engage it let's this is so <laughs> So. I love it. Did you always, were you always prophetic? How did you, how did you start this whole journey of becoming somewhat of a leading voice in the prophetic world? <laughs> somewhat. Um, I, I grew up in a really wonderful home. Like my parents were working out, they were first generation Christians. So they were, they came from dysfunctional families. They were trying not to repeat that in our, our family life. So they just, they took us on a journey of like, what's God showing you? Like with your friends at school right now, you're having a hard time. Let's ask God about that. Like, how can you change or how can you change your boundaries with them? Or So God was always a part of our everyday decisions. If we had to move, because my dad was in the Air Force, we'd all pray together and we'd hear God together. Like one of the kids sometimes would hear God about where we're supposed to move and the orders that he would receive. So I think they just included us in not junior Holy Spirit, but like a real way. And so I just had a hunger for it. We didn't know what prophet or prophetic was back then. I mean, we were just, I didn't. I moved to Kansas City when I was 19, and they anointed me a prophet, I think, at 22 or something. 21, I don't know, somewhere on there. I was a call. It was a pre-call. It was called Rock the Nations, and then 200 yeah. minutes. I was, like, all of a sudden a prophet. I'm like, I don't know what this means, and it scares me. This scared <laughs> stigma of the reputation, and I was like, I had to work through the politics and the weirdness of that because I'm, I just wanted to be normal and love people. And so um, I never considered myself, like, a master prophet. <laughs> You've ever heard that guy on TV. He's pretty funny. But um, I just, I just love people and I knew how to equip people and train people to connect to God in a deep way and to hear his voice. And so I did that for tens of thousands of people in Kansas City. And when I moved away from Kansas City, I was moving away from more of the prophetic identity in a way. I was, I was saying, let's go now into transformation theology and see how our faith transforms culture into God's original idea. And I couldn't get away from the prophetic another because if you could hear his thoughts, you could hear his original intention, if you could see that somehow in your spirit over regions and industries it just changes everything it's a game changer so i thought i was going to move away from the prophetic i actually kind of started becoming more postmodern in a way not really but i mean <laughs> i just get away from like god encounters like he loves to encounter us and change our options 
And so I, I, I was almost like a pastor's kid who was running away from the church. I was the, the prophetic kid who was running away from prophets. But I just ran into God's heart and I just kept finding myself like I'm a reformer. So I, I just found myself reforming the idea of what the prophetic is all the time. And people are accepting it. Like I thought it'd be controversial, but yeah. oh, I mean, I have the major prophetic community in the world. Cindy Jacobs, her whole team's going through my books and curriculum and love-based prophecy. You know, I've had Chuck uh, Pierce's whole crew go through. I've had Rick Joyner and I have been in hours of dialogues about this new prophetic momentum of what God wants to do and making it practical for every believer. Bob Jones, who's like a grandpa. Like, I mean, I, I, I would change the way he thought. And it was really humbling because I would say, I don't know if I believe in what you're saying, but I, I think there's an encounter, but I think your definition of it comes from old theology. Yeah. Change that, you know? So I, I thought I would be not received to being new and saying like, let's do it this way. But everybody's like, yeah, this is God. I've, I've never had anyone to my face tell me you're wrong. You know? <laughs> Just behind your back. Um, <laughs> what I love about it, it's true, Sean, and I think you make it really um, palatable for the average believer. Um, you know, I think people want you to be weird. They, they want someone to have a different personality so that maybe they're not necessarily as responsible to hear God's voice. Like, if you're weird, then I don't have to actually feel like you. Do you think that's, that's true? I mean, I, I come across, I tell people, I wasn't born under a star. I didn't have a, Gabriel didn't come to me when I was nine. I don't have anything that qualifies me for the prophetic. I just believe in it. I pursued hearing God's voice and the effect. So I'm a normal believer. I'm an average everyday believer. I, I'm not special. And that, that makes people mad. Yeah. They, that means that they have to be empowered or it's available and they're not walking it and they get mad. Yeah, it's, it is. It is very interesting because you've had, it's almost like you've had two different lives in the prophetic because you had the prophetic in Kansas City. Then you took a hiatus. And I always laugh. I'm sure you don't know this story. I feel like we're having like a Jimmy Kimball moment. But I always laugh because when I went to Kansas City, somebody tried to get, actually introduce me to you. You were a single man. I was a single woman. And they were like, <laughs> we're going to set you up. And, and I was like, no, I don't know. We're not doing this. We, we you never knew this. And, and they were like, he's prophetic. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the last thing I want to be around. Now I know you. I'm like, oh, you're so normal. But the way that they had presented you was so like bigger and larger than life. I was like, yeah, I'm out. I, I'm not that person. But I always laugh now because I feel like I have this like Nicole Kidman, Jimmy Kimmel moment of like, are they trying to set us up? Um, but you kind of went from, um, you know, El Kansas City in this really big prophetic moment. And then you paused. You got married. You had babies. You started, did you started the church, I assume, in L.A. Is that yeah. right? And we then, started in 2007. 2007. And then you, how did this whole thing emerge? Because it wasn't like you weren't leading, but you, you somewhat were hidden. And then all of a sudden you're at the Awaken Azusa and if you're prophesying in front of, I don't know, people were there, 100,000 people, 20, I don't know. But I don't know. Crazy. So tell, tell me how that happened. Well, it was a, a weird moment about, uh, it was 2000 and it must've been 2012 or 13, 2013. I went on a trip and uh, my wife was supposed to come with me. I just got back from Korea. She was supposed to meet me in Idaho. And I was going to a church. It was the last of the old kind of trips I went on, which is more like I'm going as a prophet and they're wanting to, what's the prophetic perspective for this year and the whole thing. And I just don't do that kind of stuff as much anymore. And, but this was the last of it. And I was actually trying to move away from that kind of identity because it had so typecast me or branded me. I was like, that's not really what I want to talk about. I want to talk about transformation, reformation, how to impact, engage culture that. So I didn't like this trip. So then my wife couldn't come because her and my new brand new baby were sick. So I was like, no. And I get there. And the first meeting was terrible. Havla. It was like, <laughs> the, and it was my fault. Like I was disengaged. I didn't like the trip, jet lagged. 
I hated the meeting and it was my fault. So I was complaining to God that night and I said, you know, God, I don't want to do the prophetic anymore publicly. I always behind the scenes, but like, I don't want to be known for this. I don't want to be branded by this. I don't like this. And I'm complaining saying, like, there's people who would love this role. I don't like this role. Like I love all the stuff I'm doing with pastoring and everything else, but I don't like this. And I'm complaining and I hear him laugh at me and I hear it audibly in my, my internally audibly in my ear. And then he said, he bypasses the whole conversation and says, these are 12 things I'm going to do in your lifetime. And to prove it to you, no, then I, so he says 12 things and they're huge. I can't tell you the things because they're like, you're delusional to believe them because it's good. God's goodness. And some of them start to operate. It's pretty cool. But then I said, God, I'm so sorry, but I'm at such a place of, of unbelief and disillusionment and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. that I can't even believe you. And that's terrible because I, I believe you're talking right now, but there's some part that's disappointed or something. And so he said, he laughed again and said, I know you are. So I'm going to speak through you tomorrow in a way that you won't be able to have unbelief about. And I'm like, what does that mean? So I just was like, okay, I went to, it lifted, I, you know, his voice lifted and I went to bed and I get up the next morning, kind of aware of that, but I'm kind of scared. And I go to the meeting, but I went to like a Fred Myers up in Idaho first. It's like a grocery store and they have a yes. store. I went there first and, and I, I was ordering a coffee and I hear that same voice in my ear and I hear, there's a woman named Debbie who works in the bakery and she has a daughter who died two years ago and she's writing a book about grief and she's a Christian and you're supposed to talk to her about this and tell her that I'm with her and that her daughter is praying in heaven with Jesus and all, whatever, all this, this whole thing. And I'm like, it was the most specific, accurate Paul Kane. If you've heard of Paul Kane, that kind of moment. And I'm like, this is amazing. Is this real? Is this, I gotta go look. So I run to the bakery after I got my coffee and there's a guy working there. I said, Hey, is there a Debbie who works here? And he goes, no. And I literally thought I need to have a psychiatric evaluation. Like I think I'm hearing <laughs> something in me was so disappointed that I'm now manufacturing something like this is unhealthy. I was really like in a bad place. And I, I went to the church and they didn't tell me at the right time. So when I got there, they wanted me to get up and speak, but I'm, I'm, I'm in a crisis of faith. And so I, I get up and I verbally process, which is not me publicly I verbally process. I'm so disappointed because I just went, I tried a prophetic word out. And there's no Debbie in the bakery at the, your Fred Myers down the street. And the woman who led the church, she goes, her, her husband, she goes, Debbie's my best friend. She, she leads the bakery. She like runs it. She's the manager. She didn't come this morning because she's helping some people whose son committed suicide last night. She says this out loud. She verbally processes that. It's a little church, like 200 people or 150 people. And I'm like, there's a Debbie. <laughs> and I had this moment of like, if Debbie's real, and I said, did she have a daughter who died? They're like, yes. And they all start crying. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. That means that the 12 things are real. Then I gave more accurate words. But I thought it was a one-hand wonder. So that day, I yeah, called my sure. wife. Honey, God's healed my unbelief by speaking through me. I would have never believed this. I don't believe anybody when they do this. I think they're all researching on the internet. This is crazy. Like, I'm, I'm freaking out. Like, like, I had so much unbelief in words and knowledge and, and the whole thing. So I'm like, but God used it and use my own unbelief to prove his goodness. And I was like, how good are you, God? Like, how good are you? And, and I thought that was it. And then uh, long story short, he kept it going and said, I wanna actually bring a bridge through you to the prophetic ministry that's useful and helps to counsel. Like the Holy Spirit is friend, comforter, counselor, wise one. So, so the prophetic should feel like we're someone's friend, like lifelong friend, we're their comforter, we're their counselor. When they encounter the prophetic through us, they should feel like God's real, he's with us, and he knows me for real. So like, I've had, since that moment, I went from very parabolic spiritual experiences to very practical, useful, and I still get parabolic and stuff, but 
But I mean, I, I love words of knowledge and words of wisdom specifically because I'm like, people feel so connected and know my God. They do. <laughs> no, you're right. And I've been in your meetings where I've seen you have prophetic words and you know, I always said in the prophetic, but prophetic should feel like we're getting a hug from the one that made us. Like we yeah. should have this experience. I said, you know, as a parent, I'm never going to correct. If I correct my kid in public to, to chat, like to chastise them, it's about how other people are perceiving me. But if I want my kid's heart, I'm going to take them in private and share something with them so that they, they're not embarrassed. And I said, this whole prophetic world has been about, is God going to correct me in public? And he's just a good dad. He, no dad's going to do that other than, you know, really, unless you're like, don't have ears to hear. And it's like, you're screaming because the kid's crossing the street. It's a totally different experience. But if it really is about the heart, God's going to speak to them. But one thing I love about your, your services is like, I have, I'm like, I don't even know if I have the theology for this, but I'm, it's so real. It's so evident. It's challenging my theology of believing and almost the part of me that still is very separated from God. Even though I love God, I'm with God. It feels like he's still way there over there and I'm trying to bring him close to me or trying to connect with him. So it is very powerful. Did you feel like you even, I mean, you have this kind of Think about the theology do you feel like it's it's morphing as this gift has kind of come clear or maybe this experience yeah i mean i'm i'm getting to know god in a way that i never knew him because a lot of there's a ministry mode you can get into and i try and stay out of that sure. when i need to be in that but as far as that what i've tried to do is honor because i don't want to be a poster boy for the new prophetic movement i i just want to honor what god's doing and saying in a way that i feel like i'm engaging him he's engaging me we're doing this out of relationship so some nights I'll give, usually if I do one or one to three sessions, I'll give some prophetic words. Usually only one of the sessions out of a conference, I'll, I'll go for it. Sometimes it's two. And I'm, it's only like six, three to six people. Sometimes it's nine. Every once in a while I've had a little bit more than that. But it feels like I, I had a producer, a production company come because they want to do some stuff and they're all not saved. And they're from like TLC and <laughs> A&E &A and whatever. And so they, they came in and one of the ladies who's not saved, she said, you know what that felt like? It was like when you used to watch those Oprah shows where the long lost father and mother connected and you're crying with them the whole time because you're experiencing it with them and you're watching like people connect because you help people connect to God like he's your long lost father. She's not saying that was her language. And I did, I felt like, like maybe what Oprah or Dr. Phil or whatever would feel like when they're the ones who provide the atmosphere for it. But it's like, That's a great way really to say it. Them, you know, it's like, and I feel I, I get touched. I get like, I, there's times I'll go through and I, I the reason why we start releasing videos is in the prophetic clips. Some people think it's like a prostitution of gifting or whatever. For me, it was just like, people need a model of what's available. And I'm learning, especially my prophetic podcast that I started, this is not a plug at all, but I'm no, learning. No, I'm listening to people tell God stories about finding missing human traffic victims or kidnap victims, about, about prophesying to presidents like intentionally, like knowing they had a word, like they're going to a country where I'm gonna pray for a word for the president, like Cindy Jacobs or whoever. You know, people who are in the entertainment industry and talking about like, like Edwina Finley, when she talked about God gave her word, she's going to work with Tyler Perry and Oprah, and that uh, Oprah's going to mentor her. And it's happening currently. Like, and she's allowed to talk about it because she's that close. <laughs> I'm like, I'm listening to her going, I didn't have a paradigm of pursuing God's voice for my life. I, I was like a let it happen person versus a proactive person. So I am in such a transition personally, spiritually, emotionally. I was very passive. Thank God he's not. I mean, I'm very like get it done person, but sure. as far as the gifting, we can't really make that happen. We can't, you know, and I'm like, I'm not going to ever be passive again. I'm pursuing God. I have a, a deal with God in 2018. Just like when I was 20, I get made a deal with God. Anything you tell me this year that I think is you, I'm going to do it even if I fail all the time. And I fail all the time. 
But by the end of that year, I was, I never needed to make that deal again. It just was part of my life. So this year I'm saying, God, there's so many things that I'm not in full faith in. I've kind of believed them or I believe them. So this year, anything you ask me to believe, I'm going to act and condition myself for full faith. Come on. I love that. Anything. You can feel that from you, Sean. Like, you know, I just, I sense that you resist that box, but you also are like, I, I am still want to be so authentic in this. Like I'm fighting to stay authentic. I'm fighting people not to label me, box me in, make me this. I'm still going to be me. And I think when you get a taste of, I don't even want to say professional ministry, but there is a bit of a circuit and a conveyor belt. You really have to decide, am I going to do it for the people? Or am I going to do it for God? And there is a, you know, one is harder, not that it's not without blessing, but there is a point where um, you're going to have to stay true to who you are and not give the people what they want, like a Moses, but give them what they need. And that's a different experience. I've been an ordained minister for the past 20 years, which means I've spent a lot of these years speaking and preaching all around the world. I've loved communicating. I didn't always love communicating. In fact, I wasn't a great communicator, but I've learned throughout the years. And people have asked me, how did you learn to communicate well? How did you learn your message and your life messages? And to be honest, I grew up in an influencer's home. I grew up uh, with a dad who was an ordained minister as well. So each time I needed something or had to grow in an area, I could come home and ask him. And I felt like I kind of got the tricks to the trade on some of these aspects. So a lot of people will come and say, I want, I want to be an influencer. I want to have a voice. I feel like I have a message or I, I communicate, but I think there's more I need to grow in. And I can't can't have you move in with my parents, but what I can do is create a course for you. And this course is called the Crash Course to Communication. The object of this course is that those that are investing in themselves to learn how to put together a message, how to deliver a message, how to start uh, growing your influence, it's all in there. But this first course specifically is about preparing a message. So we'll talk all about openings and closings and then everything in the middle, like biblical hooks, illustrations, how to get the main point, making sure that you have the full healthy meal to give those that you are ministering to. It also gives you activation sheets and I'll teach you things that I learned all throughout the years that have helped me. They're kind of my go-tos when it comes to learning to be up in front of people and communicate the heart of God for those around me. It doesn't have to actually be all a biblical teaching. Many of us just need to know how to communicate well and this course would help you do that as well. There's over six hours of teaching and this can become something that's a part of your library forever. You can reference this every time you have a moment to communicate. All of this will be available to you. And not only that, we'll open up a private group where we can talk to each other and talk about different things that we might be getting stuck in and maybe help each other along the way. I really hope you consider the investment and give yourself a time to learn to prep a message so that your influence on the earth can grow and have a lasting impact. So head over to theinfluencertable.com to find out all the information and to purchase your crash course communication today. And for all of my podcast family members, I have a special discount for you. I'd love to give you 20% off. So when you get to theinfluencertable.com, make sure you enter in the word podcast in the promo code so you can get that 20% off. I really am excited about this and I think you're going to love it. Now we're going to jump right back over to the podcast. You know, I'm curious as someone who's prophetic, um, 
you know, number one, I'll say this for those that are like, want to email you and say, give me my word for the year. And you know, we all get those, right? So number one, you know, clearly you're probably not, what I've been around you, God really speaks to you, but it's not every single person you're looking at, you're getting word of knowledge for. Is that true? Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm far less in tune with people than I've ever been as far as getting words for them. Like, I used to get words for almost everybody around me, but they were like real generic encouragement. And now that it's like I'm waiting and I'm pressing in for more of the encounter, it's actually like the average person that comes up to me and goes, God's giving you a word for me. I'm like, I literally, nope. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 there's nothing. I know. I get that. Yeah. Um, and, and really, I haven't got my word from you yet. So if that was the case, right now. No. Okay. So let me ask you this. If you're in the prophetic, you're hearing God, you're in this mode, do you ever deal with spiritual warfare or spiritual battle? And what do you like? Is that still something in your world? Yeah. I mean, I, I have kind of a mystical side to the way God relates my gift to me. So I've, I've seen like the demonic and I've seen oppression and I've seen those kinds of things. And every once in a while I've had some weird, what I call assignments against my life um, that mm -hmm. are like we'll take on a project and there's an abnormal amount of spiritual activity. That's like uh, what I define it as with warfare is like, it's, it's like if you have added energy onto something that already has energy on it. So you might have like financial issues, you have like some relational con conflict or you have some uh, controversy that's going on and it also has demonic energy on it. So it's, it's an added energy. And, and I feel like sometimes like that diviner girl with Paul, when he was walking and that diviner girl followed him around for like three days before he cast a demon out. I don't know why he waited for three days. I just remember when Jesus said, this kind of comes out by prayer and fasting. Like there's, there's times that I'll feel like there's an assignment and it's, it's against the exact opposite. The breakthrough then becomes John 10, 10 to steal, kill and destroy. And God comes to give us life abundantly. So right before we're about to come into great abundant life, sometimes in an area, sometimes we go through a season of added enemy energy. It's almost like a, a light is shone and the enemy comes like a bug to the light for a while before the breakthrough light happens or whatever. I don't know. And so for me, I've had um, seasons of warfare. I don't live in warfare and it's very, um, it's very obvious to me now, typically when it happens and like my wife and I are rehabbing this property that we're on and we've had some weird warfare in the city and we've had some weird stuff that we've had. We've needed prayer breakthrough. As a matter of fact, I joked around and said, I'm going to do all the charismatic, what I call charismatic witchcraft, which is throw salt in the land, post the four corners. Yeah. Like, yeah. Those who are like intercessors who are like, we'll do it all. And I said, I know it's not I, the witchcraft's a terrible term, but like charismatic, like, yeah, yeah. All whatever. the rituals. Right. I'll, I'll, in the name of Jesus, I'll do all the stuff that was in the Old Testament, you know, that, just to see if it works. And I'm sure all that was a blessing, but what really happened was I, I think there's a place of when you see what's in God's heart and you live in the faith for that, you might still be resisted, but it gets thinner and thinner and thinner until you break through. It's like a membrane. And so for, I've had some sicknesses, like I had malaria, and it came me and Heidi got at the same Heidi Baker got at the same time in the same trip where we got malaria because of some warfare that was going on. And it took a couple of years. We both got healed the same year, uh, but we kept getting recurring issues of it. I had a parasite that doesn't exist in America. I mean, like some weird stuff through the years yeah. so that my body and my finances and stuff. And, and I think that there's a place that I go to a faith and looking at what's in God's heart and then practicing believing that. So like if, uh, we released Kizem's Economy back in 2005. Well, Bob Jones told me when you release to, uh, Kizem's Economy, you're going to go through the worst oppression of your life. You'll go uh, come under a poverty spirit and you'll come under a lot of judgment from uh, other believers. And I said, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that kind of warfare. That's a terrible word. He goes, but here's the good part. When you get through it, you'll never have a season of oppression financially again. 
it'll be assigned to you for the rest of your life. And I'm like, well, I like that part. You know, like, somebody said it, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm normal. Like, I grew up in a middle-class home. I was fully supported in the ministry, what I was doing. And I was like, I don't want to go through that. But I released the book. We sold, like, hundreds of thousands of copies the first year. And the publisher shut down and went bankrupt because of other projects they were working on. And we didn't get paid for any of our stuff. And so, so then wow. I had, up until 2008, we came, came under, and all of my team, everybody came under a financial oppression. And I remember God spoke to Bob and said, you're going to make decisions using creative power and, creative, and relational connections versus finances, because everyone solves all the problems with finances. And God's sending you to Los Angeles to, to learn how to make these decisions so you don't use the power of money to manipulate, but use the power and the authority of relationship and creativity like God to maneuver. And I was like, I hate that word, but it's so true. And I remember when it lifted in 2008. So we're talking about from 2005 to 2008, yeah. I had a poverty spirit. Three on the years. For three years. And really 2010 is when it fully lifted. And it's, we've never looked back. But, but I remember just going, this is what, how I, I, me to identify, because we go to places before all the time. And during that time, I mean, we, we always had enough. We were always okay. But it was just, it was hard. Everything would break down. We were an old everything, old, you know. And I was like, this is just, this is what real people deal with all the time. God, thank you for, thank you I'm a Christian that I believe for more because I don't have to live under this. But this is what, you go to the inner city or you go to like a, a place, a third world country, and you're like, this is their reality all the yeah. time. Yeah. I, I, I asked God during that time, like, let me identify with things that can help me to stay at a little place of humility. I'm sure I don't have full humility on this, but a little place of humility that I never had before. I have identification and connection. It was really helpful. Like, it was really a beautiful experience what God did through it, but I hated it. I, <laughs> when it lifted, when it broke, and it, I don't know what broke it. I can't tell you. All I know is I stayed in faith. Everybody was like, yeah. I who I'm supposed to be, and I'm living in that reality. Come on. It just came. I love it. Well, you know, you kind of mentioned one of your books, and really your books have – they've really been bestsellers. Partly they just are shipping all over the world and people are getting a hold of it. You're, the one I'm thinking of is God's Secrets, but you came out with another one before that. Is that right? Translating God was the That's first. That's what it was, Translating God and then God's Secrets. Um, and those are continuing to kind of go for it. Are you working on another book right now? Yeah, I'm working on, uh, we're doing the prophetic toolkit. And so the Translating God was a love-based approach to the prophetic. So it's very simple very accessible it's going around the world god secrets is just about words of knowledge but it's really about the mind of christ thinking with his thoughts you know that we share first Corinthians, or first Corinthians 2 14 yeah. where we have but that that book's really helpful to people we have curriculum built around both of those and then we did a children's book called growing up with god for kids yes yes oh kids the hundreds of churches are using it for it's just beautiful and it's really about identity so it wasn't about like teaching them how to process about how to hear from god in a way that changes your life and builds relationship and identity so the next book we're working on is actually called well we have one that just came out a devotional on the prophetic 90 day journey it's a 90 day challenge to go on the prophetic yes right. yes I, yes that's what yes and then uh, this fall we have a book it's our last prophetic book for a while called the prophetic toolkit and it's a guide for leaders and it comes with e-course and all kinds of stuff it's a guide for leaders to, and people, well, the everyday person, the everyday person growing and hearing God. But then how do you develop a prophetic ministry? And, and how do you, what is a prophet? How do you as a leader appoint prophets or connect to prophets? And it's all based on relational and social responsibility, accountability, connection, social intelligence, emotional intelligence for the spiritual community. 
to do this in a business or to do this in, in their church or whatever. And uh, I'm hoping that people who are like in politics will read this even and say, I know how to incorporate a profit into my political career or so it's not yeah. just not generic. It's like a very specific for different stuff. So it'll have like one third is very, you know, it's going to help a lot of people in their just personal life. One third will help a lot of leaders for the church and further or business leaders and managers. And then one third will be like, how do you develop this in your teams? That's you awesome. Whatever. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. We wanted to do an exhaustive resource on it. The next year I do my first mainstream Christian book, which won't be a niche subject for the book. Sure. That'd be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Well, it's, I can't wait to see what else you cover. I mean, anything you're putting out right now, I just feel like it's the now, now thing for our communities. And you know, what I also love is that you really, they can be, it's not just a book, it's a course or it's an event near them. They can find an event. You said you're going to be in Australia next year. You have other places. Dallas, uh, uh, Atlanta. We're going to be there. I'm also on the call tour. So I'll be with a call. I'm probably more 2019, but we're doing like, a bunch of places in the call as well. Come on. I love it. I'll be up in your land quite a bit. Bethel. <laughs> here I'll be at uh, the creative arts conference and something else. I forget what else. Yeah. Your family here. I mean, they love you guys, you and your wife and your kiddos. Um, what, okay. So number one that people can find you on your podcast. So what is that podcast called? Exploring the prophetic with Sean Bowles. And it's super easy to find. If they just search that in Google, it'll come up, but it's on iTunes. Google Play, SoundCloud, all over the place. Sure. Okay, so they can find that. They can find an event near you. And then is it all on uh, what what website do they go to? B-O-L-Z-Ministries.com, and it has everything. So they can find links to all of our videos. And we have so much free content. We have so much stuff on there. But there's also our resources. They can buy our resources as well. It has our itinerary and trips, and it Good. has a lot of fun stuff. I love it. I'm so excited. I feel like... We're just in the beginning. I think there is a whole other wing of who you are and who your wife is that's going to be a practical, you said emotional intelligence for the average believer and I, or the believer really. And I think just as I talk to you, I get that sense that this is just one of the wings of many different wings that you'll go into and that kind of normal, normalizing spiritual ideas and the, and the practical walking it out. It's just, it's key. I really, really love it. Uh, Sean, I love you. Give my love to your wife and your kiddos. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Well, I hope that really blessed your life. I hope that everything God was trying to get to you, you grabbed a hold of. Again, don't forget to give me a shout out on the socials. I'm there almost every day. And if this podcast really spoke to you, would you consider leaving a review so others can find this podcast? and as well as some stars. I hope you have a great day and I'll catch you next time.